0: You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. It's so good to be together. as one body of, of believers, right? This morning, together, worshiping the Lord, all seeking the same Father. And I'm thankful that, that through that, Holy Spirit creates unity. Right? He's a spirit of unity. He's creating unity among us as, as believers. I'm thankful for baptism through water and baptism in the Spirit. How the Spirit encourages and equips all believers for service for the great commission. I'm thankful for for communion that the bread that we break and the juice that we drink and the healing power that accompanies it and, and the declarations that are behind it. I'm thankful for the supernatural love of God, amen. The supernatural power and love of God. That that heals all disease. That delivers from all the demonic forces. That restores relationships. That revives hearts and souls. It encourages believers. It empowers the church. Working alongside of us. But also. um, Defying. All nature. I'm thankful that. From the very beginning. That God had a restoration plan. Knowing that. You and I. Would be on a journey. That wasn't accepting. And honoring to him. But still want us. Still desire. A relationship. With us. And, and this morning. If I could. I just want just to remind us. And maybe even enlighten us. To. Three things this morning. Jesus' promise. The encounter of and with his power. Just to enjoy his presence. I think for too long, the church has forgotten about Jesus' promise. We haven't been seeking and encountering God. And his presence seems to be a distant memory Something that maybe we haven't enjoyed. So may this morning's word bring us back and just remind us of the basics. The basic heartbeat in the mission of Jesus. May humility increase in our lives and may the sensitivity to the Spirit be overwhelmingly increasing in our hearts and may we be refreshed and reminded and encouraged and encountered and revived. and, And may there be a shift in our spirits and a shift and a transformation in our lives. Let's pray this morning. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your kindness. Thank you, Father, for just... Allowing us to be here. Lord, as the body, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. eagerly seeking more of you, God. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that, Lord, as your word goes forth. Lord, as we we navigate through the service with you this morning. As we journey through the service with you this morning, God. Lord, that you are just touching every piece of us. Heart, our mind, our spirit, God, if we came with questions and doubts or fears or anxieties, God, if we came in, the, in in a moment of being in a valley or if we're on top of a mountain, regardless of where we're at, God, there's always something more from you. So, we're here for more. We're here for your promise. We're here for your power. We're here for your presence. Touch us deeply. Affect us mightily, God. We just want more of you. Lord, you are so faithful. You are so good. We love you and we praise you. We ask this all in Jesus' name, empowered by your spirit. Amen. So if I could, let's look at the promise real quick. And this is going to be out of uh, of the message uh, translation. Acts chapter 1, verse 2. So just before he ascended into heaven, so just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he left instructions through the Holy Spirit for the apostles he had chosen. So Jesus had shared along the way in his life and in his ministry that there would be another one who would come after him. He even tells his disciples later on, it is better that I leave so that the helper would come. The promise, the gift, the Spirit of God, the helper, the comforter. And before returning to the right hand of God, right? so Jesus could have easily just relied on his disciples and his apostles to remember what he had said before being crucified. Hey, remember, a promise is coming. Jesus could have come out of the grave and went right to the right hand of the Father. But instead, he saw it fit. I'm going to do another visitation. I'm going to remind my disciples one more time. Hey, remember what I've been telling you there's someone else coming after me be prepared because jesus knew that this was significant and important for the church for the believers for the followers of jesus That it would be impossible to live for the kingdom of god to have hope in heaven if we had not received the spirit of god upon us and within us so he continues in verse in verse 3 says and after the sufferings of his cross Jesus appeared alive many times to to these same apostles over a 40-day period, proving to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truth of God's kingdom. So here's Jesus. He appears to his disciples. And according to some records, there's at least 11 encounters that Jesus has in these 40 days. Minimum 11 times. But he taught them more about the mysteries of God's kingdom than what they were understanding. And in this time, he performed many convincing signs for them to believe in his resurrection. If you read Acts, you would have already discovered that that it was through these signs and through these miraculous convincing signs that the church took off and grew. It's why the church increased in numbers. It's how people came by the multitudes to salvation. People are moved by the movement of God. When the presence of God shows up, people's lives are changed and transformed. In verse 4 it says, Jesus instructed them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift that I have told you about the gift, the promise. The gift that the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus gives specific instructions. Go in, wait. Go and wait, and you'll receive the gift that the Father has promised. Mom. Wait and receive. Wait and receive. When's the last time we waited on the Lord? When have we waited in the presence of God? When did we hold on until the Lord moved or spoke. It's easy to go about our day. It's easy to go about a Sunday service and not even consider the reality that God's presence is among us and within us and desires to transform us. But he says, go and wait. This is important and significant to receive the promise that God provides In verse 6, it says, every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it now the time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Have you asked this question before? Maybe more recently in your life? Lord, when are you going to heal America? When is the world just going to get it? When will the economy stop suffering? When will my life fill in the blank? Has some form of that question come out of your mouth, or been stirring in your heart or in your mind? And in that question, that maybe you've asked the Lord, 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 when are you going to fix this? Has there been a redirection from the Lord? Because if you notice, he redirects his disciples' question. Lord, when are you going to restore Israel? When are you going to destroy Rome and let us come back to the top? But look how Jesus answered them. Verse 7. The Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be seized with power. You will be messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the most remote parts of the earth. Time and time again, Jesus wants his disciples, he wants the church to comprehend that his kingdom was spiritual. Mostly, spiritually, first and foremost, spiritual, not political. Right, he wasn't concerned about Israel becoming back as number one country. He wasn't concerned he's not concerned about America being the number one nation. He's not concerned about, about this country being the number one country, but he's concerned about his people and their hearts to be turned back to him and come into a relationship with God the Father. Too many of us are too focused on, on the worldly issues around us. And and I'm not saying don't be aware. I'm not saying don't do our part as believers. But that should come second to the kingdom of God. Jesus wanted his disciples to be more concerned about eternal things, not the temporary. 1 Timothy 2 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And this is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. When Jesus made the promise in this moment, he didn't give any concern for their question of God, when are you going to restore Israel? Because he was building the kingdom of God. He was building the kingdom of heaven. You see, the world is already a part of the redemption plan of God. Like he already has a plan. That's why Jesus is coming back. God has a plan for the world, but he has called you and I to be a part of that plan. And you and I are able to be a part of that plan because we've received the promise that Jesus gave his disciples all these years ago. The Spirit of God would be our helper. He would be the one who empowers us to carry on the message of Jesus Christ to a world that is hopeless and hurt and dying and in need, of desperate need of a Savior. And as a people, we need to pay more attention, be more attentive to heaven and the truth that God provides and less on the world, its chaoticness, and its opinion but instead use our our view of heaven as a lens on how to interact in the world around us. The promise of the Spirit was received as there was obedience. They obeyed Jesus' instructions to go and wait. And the promise of the Spirit, the helper, the counselor, took place. And it led them to receiving that promise. So this promise provides this power. Right? So Jesus said, go and wait. You will receive the promise, the gift from God the Father. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, as it was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. The disciples were gathered in one place, about 120 in, in total. They were all about to experience this outpouring of the promise, this outpouring of the Spirit of God the comforter, the power of heaven. It says, suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. We just recognize this for a second. I feel like whenever we're in churches that that read through this or even promote this, we don't really stop and think about it for a second. So there's less than 120 of us in here, but imagine there's 120 of us in here. And this is the upper room, not the first not the first floor. And all of a sudden this rushing wind comes in. And this pillar of fire appears. It separates and lands in every one of us. We want to talk about a moment when God takes care. you want to talk about a people who were waiting for the presence of God to show up? Unfortunately, in today's church, if that happened, we would have run out of the doors instead of staying put. Because our concept of understanding of God Is too minute We have been too fixated In, in our mind how, how God should operate And how we shouldn't operate In more ways than one Over the course of our Church history we have stripped God More and more of his power The church let me remind you this morning that God should define our lives. Our lives shouldn't define who God is. Jeez. And I think if we can get to that place of humility and surrender say, God, I don't know anything. But I know that I need you. Remove any kind of restrictions I have put upon you. Any misconceptions I I view you through. And Lord, just be you and show up. I think if, if as the church, if we got to that place. We would see these empowering, impactful, affecting, influential moments and meetings with God. As we just wait and seek. In verse 4 says they were all filled and equipped. So the sound of the rushing wind came in. The pillar of fire appeared and it separated on each and every individual. And every believer who was there was empowered and equipped. Filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. In his book, Baptism in the Holy Spirit, James done, says in one sense Pentecost can never be repeated for the new age is here and cannot be ushered in again but in another sense Pentecost or rather the experience of Pentecost can and must be repeated in the experience of all who would become Christians as the day of Pentecost was once the doorway into the new age, the new covenant because of Jesus So so entry into the new age can only be made through the doorway, that is, through receiving the same Spirit and the same baptism in the Spirit as the 120 did. This, of course, is why the, the great thing which Peter offers above all at the conclusion of his sermon is the gift of the Spirit. Jesus said, go and wait, you'll receive the promise, and it is better that I go so that you receive it. The day of Pentecost comes, as they had waited the spirit was poured out and all were filled and equipped today we need a modern day pentecost not to enter into this new age this new covenant with Jesus because this is the new covenant period but a pentecost that would shake us up and would shake off the things that have bound us so tightly and to never allow us to be settled back down again. One that breaks our unwillingness, and in a way, shoves us down into reckless abandonment to the Lord. A Pentecostal experience that enlightens us to redeem what was lost. In the garden that, disrupted, that, that was disrupted at the Tower of Babel and, and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. An evangelistic movement bringing people to salvation through Jesus and being filled with the Spirit. So here they are in the upper room, filled with the Spirit. And it says, now at that time, there were Jewish worshippers who had immigrated from different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening, because each one could hear the disciples speaking in their own language. If you jump forward in Acts chapter uh, in chapter two, Peter gives the Pentecost sermon. And we're told that on that day, and where the pouring out of the Spirit took place, three thousand people came to salvation. 3,000 people were baptized and added to the church it wasn't just because of the acts of love that the apostles showed or that, the, that the disciples showed it wasn't because their outreaches were planned to a T it wasn't because they had a, um, this enormous worship service It's because the presence of God showed up because the power of God showed up. The promise that God wanted to give his people appeared. He was present and moving. It's because of the disciples' obedience to listen to what Jesus was saying that this would start and never stop. Why is it important to recognize that? As Christians, as believers, we tend to hide behind loving people. Well, I love my neighbor. I love my church family. I love the person overseas. I love the person that stayed across. And we hide behind that. And maybe we initially don't hide behind that, but we get to a place where that's the only thing coming out of our mouth. But if I could this morning Define that love. How do you love your neighbor? You keep your grass cut, you don't bother them, you don't play loud music, you don't say anything about them. That's bad. Good start. Do you knock on their door? You build relationship with them? How do you love your community? Praying for them is a great start. Or are you recognizing the hopelessness and the addiction and the brokenness, the mending and the healing that is needed? Right, the power of God is necessary. Love's the beginning, but it's not... End right. You love, and then on that journey, that love. Uh, we talked yesterday in, in the evangelism track. We need the power of God to mix with the willingness of us as a people to more to kind of morph together to create love evangelism. Right? So as you're going out and loving your neighbor, and you're loving the stranger, and you're loving the person in the supermarket, and you're loving your coworker. It's more than just like, yeah, I love them. There's no separation between us. But you love them enough. We are providing them Jesus any opportunity that you have. Not relying on our own power or our own effort, but the power and the ability that comes from God. Because of the promise being poured out and the power of the spirit being received through baptism, the gathering of believers were guided, they were transformed, they were touched by the Spirit's presence. James Rutz in his book Mega Shift, he talks about this encounter that, that this church had in Texas. He says on, on October 20th, 1996, even before the start of that 8:30 a.m early service, the presence of God was overwhelming. The air was so thick they could hardly breathe. Some of the people didn't even make it into the sanctuary. They collapsed to the floor just inside the doors. The ushers were hard-pressed to keep the doorway clear by dragging people and propping them up against hallway walls. Yet this was no mass hysteria phenomenon. Without knowing why, some began weeping uncontrollably the moment they drove onto the church parking lot. and They barely managed to walk across the parking lot. On the platform, the music team got too choked up. They couldn't keep playing the warm-up music. The worship leader was slumped over the keyboard crying. Across the auditorium, the silence was broken only by quiet sobs and prayers. Even the children were making noise. No one had to announce what was happening. Every soul in the place was face-to-face with the eternal presence met by Moses in the burning bush. Could you imagine that? Later on, he continues the story. and He says, "In, in any decent church service, we can count on the Lord Jesus Christ being present. Right? God's omnipresent. But he's at least a quiet observer. Wherever the Bible and worship are part of the program, God is pleased and present. His spirit may do great things. But on occasion, when he is allowed to completely take over the running of a meeting... His presence can be so heavy and so wonderful that you feel like you are swimming under 100 feet of living water. And I think James is on to something when he's talking about this experience. The church today as a whole fails to give attention to the Spirit of God. Y'all are blessed to have Pastor Jamin as your pastor. Yeah. Amen?
1: Yeah, right? He's a pastor
0: after God's heart. Seeking the Lord and and encouraging you and challenging you to don't stay in the status quo. But to seek God and the Spirit of God in your life, personally and daily. Because if we as the church are gathering for nothing more than just, well, it's Sunday morning we go to church. If we're not gathering to worship God If we're not gathering to learn more about Jesus And become more like Him If we're not gathering to be empowered by the Spirit So that as we walk out of these doors We're being Jesus in the streets Then what are we doing here? Right, so it's the presence of God That transforms us and aligns us And empowers us So He's given the promise He has provided the power And now He's given us the presence Right, Acts chapter two continues, forty-two. It says, "Every believer was faithfully devoted to the follow and to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer." That's what we're doing here this morning. Right, we're gathered together in one place. Check. We're coming together to hear the teachings of the apostle. Check. There's been moments of prayer throughout. Check. Are our hearts mutually linked together? I hope so. I hope that as we come to this place, our hearts are mutually connected, saying, I want more of God. And if so, check. Let's check that one out. And we're going to be taking communion this morning. Check. Sounds like a perfect recipe for a Pentecostal experience. One that would shake us up and never let us be the same. Not just an empowering moment for a day or for a weekend. Not just for a revival that kind of gives you that, that, that church camp feeling for the next week. But one that will continually transform and change your life from this day forward. because of all this was in place, verse 43 tells us, a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. A great sense of awe. A holy hush came upon everybody. They were present and aware of the presence of God. And because of that holy reverence and fear of the Lord, where actually signs and wonders were performed, and you know what those signs and wonders do? They draw people to Jesus. Amen. First Corinthians four twenty. Right, we talked about this yesterday if you were with us. For the kingdom of God is not of talk, but of power. The message says For the kingdom realm of God comes with power, not simply impressive words. Jesus was all about power evangelism. Jesus was all about being present with those he was with. More times than not, his teachings would be accompanied by those same miraculous outpourings of God's power. His disciples were charged with the same way, to go minister in the world with the power and authority that Jesus gave them. The Great Commission calls us to do that same thing, right? And and I love Mark's version. I love Mark's version of the Great Commission. And he said to them, As you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whosoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And there's more. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. They will lay hands on the sick and heal them. When's the last time you were practicing that in your life? I'm not asking, when's the last time you saw results? When's the last time you practiced that in your life? When's the last time you spoke the word of God to somebody? When's the last time you laid hands on somebody to pray for healing? When's the last time you just sought the Lord, took the revelation that He gave you, and delivered it to somebody else? These are an expectation as believers of Jesus. We're called to be obedient to that. The results aren't up to us. They're up to the Lord. But if we go back to the first part, if we obey, the promise will come to fruition. If we obey the Great Commission... We'll start to see that taking place. We'll start to see those who are possessed and oppressed be set free. We'll see those who are sick and ill and lame be healed. We'll see the multitudes come to know Jesus. You'll see your community starting to be changed and transformed. It says that all believers, verse 44, all believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with the praises of God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their numbers daily. They were filled with praises to God. Hallelujah. They were so engulfed in the love of God, the presence of God, that all they could do was worship Him. And because they were so connected with God, they had favor with all people. They had favor in their community. And then the Lord added to their number daily. Signs and wonders, the power of God attracts people to God. The move of God attracts people to Jesus. Jesus. This morning, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take communion together. Right? We wanna partner with the, the outline that scripture gives us for quote unquote the perfect recipe to encounter the power of God. And we take communion for a variety of purposes. The most common purpose is to remember the sacrifice of that Jesus gave. Remember his sacrifice, but also his resurrection. He says, take and eat the bread. It represents my body. Take the juice and drink. It represents my blood. But if, if I could this morning, let me prompt that communion is just a little bit more. It's a little bit more than just, hey, remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave. Like that's the most significant one. Amen. But communion, it's a whenever we take it, it's a declaration. It's healing. It creates unity. It it provides empowerment. It's it, it's a declaration that, that we are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, who has all power and all authority. We serve a risen Savior, not, not one who is just an idol, not one who is, who is false, but one who is no longer in the grave, but alive and well and moving today. It's, it's healing. Right? We're told by His stripes we are healed. And I believe that as we take communion, that healing takes place in our lives. Individually, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, but also corporately. And as it's healing and as it's a declaration, it's healing corporately as it creates unity among the believers of God. It creates light-mindedness, it, it aligns our hearts, our minds, and our spirits with God and God alone. Because corporately as a body, we're making the declaration that we serve the God in heaven. We serve the risen Savior. We have received the promise that heaven provides. And we declare today that we're living in that way. We declare today that the enemy no longer has a hold in our lives. And because he no longer has a hold in our lives, we're free to live in the fullness and the abundance that God provides. And because we as believers, individually and corporately, are able to live in the abundance and the fullness that Jesus provides, That our community will never look the same. Because now we carry the promise, the power, and the presence of God. To go reach out to any and every person that we encounter. So I want to do two things today. As we take communion. I want to say the Lord's Prayer together. But before we do that, if we could just stand together this morning. Scripture warns us to not take communion in an unworthy manner. What does that mean? Don't take it if there's unconfessed sin in your life. Don't take it if you don't realize that communion is this celebration and remembrance of Jesus, God, the Savior who has died for you. Don't take it out of pride but humility. We need to take that warning from Scripture seriously. So before we enter into communion, just take a moment with the Lord and allow Holy Spirit to search your heart and your mind, your soul. Let Him search your life. Have a moment of self-examination right where you're at. Say, God, is there anything between you and me that would be a hindrance in as I take communion? Is there anything within me that is in my life that, that would cause me to take this communion in an unworthy manner? And if something comes to mind, give it to God. If it's it's a need of repentance, repent about it. Mm -hmm. If it's some kind of disbelief, God help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. If communion just seems like this mundane ritual, God forgive me of that. Lord, awaken me to the reality and the power of communion. Just take a moment and do self-examination. How's your soul? How's your heart towards God? Do you believe in the resurrection power of Jesus? Do you embrace his promises? Do you have anything against anybody that needs let go and forgiven? Just take a moment with the Lord. Oh God, just across this room this morning. Lord, I thank you how you are convincing and convicting, how you're transforming and moving. God, if there's anything in our lives that is a hindrance for us taking communion and causing us to take it in an unworthy manner. God, just pray in this moment that what it is brought to the surface. That Lord, we repent of it, we let it go, we give it to you. Doubt, I pray that you would replace that with confidence. Confidence in you, Jesus. It's a need of forgiveness of our sins, God, may you let us know that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and not your request and we say, hey. We're just across this place, but I pray you create unity among us, a unity with you first and foremost, but in unity with our brothers and sisters eagerly coming together to seek you, to worship you, to want worthy to be transformed by you, God. As we enter into communion this morning, we're going to pray that it is healing for us. It's a declaration for our lives. It's a declaration to the enemy he no longer has the authority or the power in our lives because we serve the risen Savior. It's a declaration to the world that we are a believer of God, a witness for the gospel, empowered for ministry, Lord, it brings healing to our lives. It brings healing to the body of Jesus. Father, you are so good and you are so faithful. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. On the day of his betrayal, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. After he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat, this is my body he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying take drink of it all of you this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins let's pray the Lord's prayer together this morning we have that slide up please our beloved father dwelling in the heavenly realms May the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. Communion is set up over here along the wall. As you are ready to receive and partake of communion, I would ask and invite you to go that way. And if you could, just as you take of the bread and of the juice... Whatever you're in need of today, if it's to, to declare in your life that you serve the risen Savior, make that declaration as you partake of it. If you're in need of, of healing, make that request before the presence of God. Amen.